0: Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cast, where we are going to discuss a topic that most of the civilian national security workforce hates, and that is micromanagement. So micromanagement is a counterproductive management style characterized by such behaviors as an excessive focus on observing and controlling subordinates and obsession with details, most of the time arbitrary when a leader has little trust and ability to relinquish control. And so no one wants to be micromanaged, but that is what happens in most organizations when leaders manage people instead of their promises. And so that is said by management trainer Eric Papp. His new book, Manage Promises, Not People, How to Create a Self-Managing Team, reveals the superpower that every leader has but most fail to use, and that's honoring their word to build trust, drive success, and increase their power. So today he joins the podcast to discuss the issues that can stem on teams from micromanagement, how to check yourself as a leader, and the three parts of a promise, repairing broken promises with your workforce and coaching others to honor their words. So Eric, thanks for joining me today.
1: Awesome. Hey, Katie, glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And so I have never liked being man- micromanaged. First, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and what prompted you to write your book.
1: Absolutely. So my formal education comes from the University of Notre Dame. That's where I earned a business degree in business management. Uh, my self-education really was these last 15 plus years of doing management training, consulting inside of organizations where I would go in and sometimes it was like, hey, okay, you know, this group is not talking to this group. You know, blue collar's not talking to the white collar, go in there, fix, you know, figure it out, fix it. So, whether it was team building or leading leadership retreats or talking about effective communication, it's kind of run the gamut. And uh, I've written a couple of different books Leadership by Choice, Three Guys of Being an Effective Person. And then now the latest one here Manage Promises, Not People.
0: Love that. The Fighting Irish. My my uh, husband's family would, would love this podcast. So, I'll have to send it to them. Ah, okay. So you've worked with thousands of managers and have delivered more than 350 professional training programs to corporate and private clients. So when you're talking and training with leadership, what are a few signs that micromanagement has kind of infected their company?
1: Yeah, two things. One is poor leadership and underperforming employees and poor leadership in that the leader manager does not have those tough conversations, those crucial conversations to hold folks accountable or to set a standard of behavior, standards of of what they're looking to accomplish in terms of their goals, objectives. So you have that. And then the other thing is you have underperforming employees, just employees that maybe perhaps don't care, maybe they're in between jobs, whatever it is, but they're underperforming. And uh, so when you have that, and then you have no accountability or no standards, then you have the recipe of micromanaging, you know, or, The abdication of accountability.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of that is just setting expectations from a leadership perspective. And then, if you don't do that, how on earth are your employees going to understand what is expected of them?
1: (laughs) That's correct. And but sometimes, you know, depending upon what a person, perhaps their education level, their background, who they've worked for they're They're not perhaps maybe a high performer, or they're they're the opposite, you know, depending upon what industry. And so then it becomes more work in terms of to get them up to a level of a higher level of standard of uh, that 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 you want to hold them accountable to. so it's it's a give and take on both aspects. So sometimes you know you go in and it's a tough situation, it's it's employees, it's folks that are not used to putting their best foot forward. And in other cases, it really relies more so on the leader manager itself, where they're just, they don't trust their folks. So they're constantly double checking, triple checking, you know, micromanaging that lack of trust. Folks can feel that when that happens as well.
0: Sure. And so micromanagement is definitely a morale killer. And it's especially hurtful to national security personnel where the mission is really important and turnover caused by micromanagement really can hurt forward progress. So what other issues can be seen on teams where management is hovering too much to prevent productivity? Yeah,
1: when there's low trust and over communication, you know, low trust is manager doesn't trust their folks. So what do they do to kind of make up for that? They over communicate, you know, they send out X amount of emails, calls, all these things, follow ups, all these things, you know, and it's kind of like, well, if you trust somebody, you know, you tell them maybe once or twice, and then you see if they deliver. And if they don't deliver, do they take responsibility or do they, you know, deflect responsibility? A warning flag is if they deflect responsibility, because if they deflect responsibility, then we got to go back to the drawing board, you know, and look at, okay, the difference between honoring our word versus keeping our word. Not everybody can keep their word, right? Things happen, life happens, but we can honor it And that, hey, if I don't fulfill on a promise I made to you, Katie, that I hopefully... I'll I'll notify you ahead of time before, you know, like if I was going to have something to you, you know, work by the end of the business day on Friday. Okay. Well, if I run into some obstacles, I'm going to hopefully contact you first, as opposed to me thinking, Oh, I hope she doesn't notice or I hope it's not a big deal. You know, and then you having to come find me. So that's one way. And then, and then also with that in that conversation, then you talk about what that obstacle was and then ways that we can, you know, move forward. Or if this does come up and again, here's what we're going to do. So that way you get better and better at fulfilling what you give your word to.
0: Sure. And when you speak to kind of communication revolving micromanagement, it makes me think about to a time when I was recruiting for industry and micromanagers would require, I need to know how many people you called, how many people you emailed, how many Offers were sent uh, and all of these sort of data points. And then now I'm working under a manager who is very much the opposite of a micromanager. And I feel like in looking at both worlds, there are other sort of toxic traits that surround a team environment including micromanagement. And so would you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Um, you don't want to be completely hands-off, you know, because it's, it's kind of like, you know, I've heard from managers say, well, I don't, you know, I'm only talking to my people until there's a problem. <laughs> well, you don't want to be the person, you know, that's like a bad news manager. When you see them, it's just, oh man, something's going to be bad news because I'm seeing them. So I, I believe it's not completely one, you know, like hands-off. No, it's, it's you want to have that interaction. But like you said, in terms of like, if you're managing somebody virtually, well then hey let's check in perhaps you know depending upon the frequent of the volume of the work of the projects whether it's maybe we check in once a week once a day I, I don't know you know in terms of it depends upon like i said the volume of the projects but really you're just looking for some high level over things okay what are the two or three things that we're looking to, to check in terms of to see performance that we're headed in the right direction and then obviously when someone's then, then what's the results what's the result like after a couple of weeks and if we know this person's performing then perhaps the levels of what we're maybe checking or things like that, we can adjust that perhaps, or we can take it down to, okay, now we're gonna check in, you know, once every three days or or at least once a week. But you definitely wanna show that support because anybody always wants to have a level of support connectiveness. You know, I know that my boss has got my back. I know sometimes they're there just to give me, you know, hey, you're doing all the right things. Just that level of, of reassurance. We all We all need that as humans, you know, even though, we can be independently working, but it's always nice to have that level of reassurance and, uh, and encouragement.
0: Well, and that's a great point. You don't want to be the bad news manager. And while some folks listening from an employee perspective might think, oh, hands off, that's so great. But no, then you're only seeing your supervisor at a time when it's not really the best.
1: Yeah, that's correct. That's correct.
0: Sometimes uh, micromanagement needs to just kind of be recognized and talked about and thinking about a clear path on trust in your workforce um, to be created and that path forward. And I feel like that's why a lot of employees leave is they're micromanaged, it's not talked about, and then boom, I'm done with this company. And so what are some ways that leaders can kind of check themselves when it comes to managing their promises and not people?
1: Yeah, the first thing is to look at our judgments, judgments and labels, right? we do this subconsciously we do this unconsciously. you know we're not even aware of it like when you go meet somebody whether you're getting tires put on your car or whether you're buying groceries we're interacting with people anybody that you interact with our, our brain is already searching within the first 30 seconds so i like this person Do I not like them are they dressed well are they sloppy um are they making eye contact so we're looking for a lot of different things and so it's very easy to label somebody to judge them and to then put them kind of in a box in your head and then once you kind of have that then there's like a ceiling in terms of what their level of performance is uh because you we put a label and then we're just looking for all those things that just match up to our label in terms of our our level of accuracy in terms of 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 what we put on someone so that's the thing i would say just be mindful of of that and your own bias in terms of okay, this person's lazy, this person's smart, this person's on time, this person's always late, this person's a slacker, you know, and in your job as a manager is to elevate, elevate someone's performance, you know, elevate someone's not only just in the work environment, but also personally as well. Imagine that they can reflect back on their 30 year, 40 year career, and they can say, oh, yeah, you know what, in my 20s and my 30s, I worked for, insert your name, this person, and they taught me these three things. And even though I was only with them for a year or two years, man, it had such a positive impact. You know, um, that's, that's the, the, the idea in terms of that's, you know, we're able to get to the point where you're able to manage the promise and not the person is you're taking someone, you're elevating their level of leadership personally and professionally, but at the same time, you're being mindful of your own judgments, stereotypes, bias, all that that's going on in our head.
0: Right. And I think it just makes me think about, you know, not only in the short game, what kind of environment do you want to create for your employees and how you want to keep them? But I mean, as you're referring to also the long game and what kind of positive impact do you want to have on in your industry, no matter your industry? On your workforce, you know, like you said, decades down the line, what are people going to think about you? And I think that's important to kind of dial it back, you know, as people or leaders might be hovering over, oh, these people probably aren't going to have too many good things to say or think about me um, in the future.
1: Yeah, and exactly. And another thing, too, is a lot of times we lead, we manage from what, from how we were. You know, from the managers' examples that we saw, and so you can learn. You know, it's kind of like parenting, right? You can you can learn from your parents, and you can learn what to do, and you can also learn what not to do. You know, and a lot of times, it's to having a high level of self awareness that it takes to see. Okay, my mom, my dad did this. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Same thing too on a job. Oh, I had a manager that was like this. I don't want to do that. Um, and being mindful of that, right? Having a level of of self awareness. Self examination that you can see, okay, up. Oh, you know, I'm starting to do that. I, I you know, because self deception is very high in humans, right? You know, you ask somebody, hey, did you eat good today? Oh, yeah, I, I ate pretty clean. I ate pretty good. And then you look at like what they ate on a day, you know, if you really examine it, it's like, no, nah, they really didn't, you know, eat too, you know. So things like that is a lot of times we, we suffer from self deception. You know, it's like, are you a good driver? You know, it's like 95% of people say, oh, yeah, I'm a great driver. I'm a good driver, you know. And it's like, well, uh statistically that that's not possible so we just have to you know that that idea of self awareness self-examination those are the key elements of uh the first parts i believe of, of being a great manager a great leader
0: yeah those are great points and so i'd love to talk a little bit more about your book and hear more about the three parts of a promise repairing broken promises with your workforce and coaches coaching others to honor their word All three topics very important to our industry, certainly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a little thing, restore a promise, reclaim your power. So that's just a a little thing I like to point out there for folks. And the idea here is when you restore a promise, an outstanding promise that maybe you made to yourself or made to other people, you reclaim your power. Power is in a sense, powerful people are the people that speak things into existence they make things happen right they say hey you know what like the powerful people in your community they get together and they say you know what let's uh let, let's build a library well a couple of them get together three four of them get together and they say okay i'll put up a million i'll put up two million. i'll put up this i know this person i got the land here this person over here my friend will donate the land and the next thing you know is two years from now no, then you have a brand new library so powerful people are able to speak things into existence and you don't have to have a lot of. You know, I have a, a tremendous amount of wealth financially to be able to do that. You can get there by building things quickly, by saying, okay, by making promises to yourself that you can fill on. So tomorrow when I wake up and I told myself I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for a run or go for a workout, you do that. You fulfill on that. So look at all the outstanding promises that you have. And when you're able to start to restore those promises, you're starting to reclaim your power. So that's first to yourself in terms of those broken promises. Now, when it comes to unfulfilled promises from other people, you know, really, you have three choices: you can own it, you can bury it, and you can blame it. And so, it's really, you know, what is our natural thing? Well, our natural tendency is usually not to take responsibility. And uh, but here's the caveat, though: responsibility is power. People that are 100 percent responsible are 100 percent powerful. And so, responsibility is power. So, if you break a promise, it's like okay. It's very easy and natural to like deflect it. Oh, it's because my boss. Oh, it's because the market conditions. Oh, it's because this person. Oh, it's because I didn't have this information. And that's absolutely 100%. That could be correct, right? However, we don't really gain any power from that, you know, and, and it doesn't kind of sit well with us we just kind of put it on somebody else. The other thing is we could bury it, right? Hope somebody forgets about it. Hope it, you know, kind of goes away. Doesn't really make a big deal. And we tend to bury it we tend to lose trust with other people, right? It kind of goes back to the example of if I told you, Katie, I was going to give you something, but in a business day, I don't fulfill on it. Well, you might not say anything, but then what happens is I'm losing trust with you. And maybe I don't even know it. And that's usually a very dangerous place because that's sometimes people think they're in good standing or good graces with someone, but then really they have a couple unfulfilled or outstanding promises that really impacted that person, but they just didn't realize that. And then the third option there is to to blame it. And and that's what we talked about earlier, you know, in terms of just looking to to see, you know, who you can put the responsibility on. Oh, it was because my parents' fault. Oh, yeah, they didn't, you know, I didn't have this or didn't, you know, wasn't raised like this or oh, this happened. So own it, blame it or bury it.
0: Well, and I, I just love all of these insights because... I can certainly apply them to my professional life, but also to my personal life, which I think, you know, we like to say that things are separate, but they are completely intertwined sometimes, especially in a world where, you know, we might be working from home and things of that nature.
1: Yeah. So the three parts of the promise, the first part is clarity, right? How clear are you when you make commitments? What is your intention? Right. It's kind of like when you see somebody like, hey, you know, you see you see your friend at the grocery store or wherever you know, at the restaurant. Oh, hey, we should get to you know, church. Hey, we should get together sometime. You know, is there really a high level of intention there? Or is that just like a, a casual way or a nice way of saying, you know, goodbye? I don't, you know, so always look at what is your intention? How clear are you when you make commitments? So that that's the first part. And, and usually clarity kind of falls in one of two buckets, aimless or deliberate. Aimless is like, oh, yeah, you know, if it happens, it happens. Just kind of like I aimlessly gave my word to something, like, hey, yeah, we should get together sometime. I don't really have a clear plan of when that's going to be, or or maybe even I, that I want to get together. This person, I'm just kind of saying it to be nice. That's an aimless. And then deliberate is more so, no, I'm conscious, I'm aware. And uh, when I say we should get together, I'm definitely thinking in my brain, you know, oh, it's through this game right here, or no, I'd love to get caught up with this person, you know, uh, and uh, have some lunch or something. So that that's the first part is clarity. Um, how clear are you when you make commitments? All right? The second part then of a promise is looking at our level of confidence. Evidence builds confidence. Confidence is a high internal belief that you can get it done and evidence builds that. So the idea is, you know, when I give my word to something, how confident am I that I can fulfill it? You know, when I say, yeah, I'll do this or, hey, I'll be here. You know, I'm taking into all the other external factors in my life, whether, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a parent, I'm a husband. So I've got those things. So if I gave my word to something, but I don't really have confidence in that I could fulfill it because I'm needed at home. Well, I might want to say something like, you know, what, let me just check. Let me just check with my wife. But I think this date would work or this time. And uh, so being confident in what you, you give your word to and also confident that you can carry it out as well. You know, you don't want to say you can do something, but then you don't have the evidence or the history that you've actually done something like that. So having that level of confidence. And the third part, then, is capability. You know, how capable are you making something happen? You know, do you have the necessary resources or skills to do something? So those three aspects, clarity, confidence, capability, in order to uh, fulfill a promise.
0: I love that. And I'm going to keep those words in my mind and set my intention for the rest of this week. And so thanks so much for joining the podcast today. I've had managers that micromanage that break promises and leaders who tell me the world is my oyster and run like the wind and keep their promises. But any closing thoughts for our audience, whether they are a greener professional or a leader with large teams that they're trying to effectively manage?
1: Yes, just make it a point to be diligent, honoring your word, and then that'll start to trickle down. Then you'll start to attract people that that honor their word, and it'll be much easier to hold somebody accountable and to manage their promise when you're already doing it as the example. You're leading by example. And and the second thing is you can buy my book on Amazon, it's 10 bucks, and that includes shipping. Manage promises, not people.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearedCast. Hit the subscribe button and share this episode with your friends and colleagues. For more security clearance updates and national security career advice, subscribe to news.clearancejobs.com. If you have an active clearance, refresh your profile and search cleared careers at clearancejobs.com.